Hey, I'm Evan Marcant, dating coach for smart, strong, successful women, and your personal trainer for love. Uh, welcome to the Love You Podcast. Keep listening to learn four tips to create intimacy with your man. When we're done, I'll let you know how you could apply to Love You to create a relationship that makes you feel safe, heard, and understood. Uh, before we get into that, uh, very brief housekeeping. I've been in like major productivity mode. I've just been creating new, new, new stuff. And I'm excited to share some of my new stuff with you for free. I am doing an upcoming live stream webinar. I did a few of these back in May. I got some new ones coming up uh, this coming month. The next one is on Thursday, July 13th, uh, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. If you are a woman who is burned out on dating, tired of the dating apps, tired of swiping right and texting and hooking up and wondering where you stand. And there's a piece of you that's like, I don't know how long I could do this. Maybe I'm just meant to be alone for the rest of my life. This is the event for you. If you're having doubts, if you're in a really negative place, this presentation is called three reasons you're guaranteed to fall in love and live happily ever after. Uh, during this entertaining and inspiring 60 minute presentation, you will discover Four lies about love that have kept you single and why it's not your fault that you think that love should be easier than this. The four qualities it takes to enjoy a healthy relationship with a man, empathy, boundaries, communication, and one other thing which I'll share with you on the call. Why lasting love is as easy as one, two, three. I'm going to share three essential tips from my Love You program uh, that are going to blow your mind and help you realize that this is a lot easier than you've ever thought it would be. And then finally, I'm going to give you a free exercise from my Believe in Love Bootcamp that provides a step-by-step -step blueprint for what you can do right now to make love inevitable. And yes, I said it, inevitable. So I'm really excited about it. I hope you are too. If you're in a negative place, you do want to check this out. Go to evanmarkkatz.com forward slash live stream to register for this free live event. evanmarkkatz.com forward slash live stream. There should be uh, a link on YouTube and in your Apple show notes, etc. Uh, let us begin. Today's Love You Insight. Uh, we're talking about creating intimacy and... It's, I think it's a, sort of a poorly misunderstood word and concept. We could talk about physical intimacy. We could talk about emotional intimacy. We're not always talking about the same thing. So let's just sort of rebrand this and just talk about maybe a level of closeness and trust and how you can create that within a relationship. So first, I want to talk about three reasons men may lack the ability to create intimacy. Three reasons men may lack the ability to create intimacy. Number one, socialization. And one, once again, I'm, I, I know I am uh, the mansplainer-in-chief. Uh, I am not defending men. I am explaining what I've observed in men, what social science explains about men, what you've observed in men. There's nothing that I'm saying here that should be terribly controversial. Uh, if anything, some of these things are unfortunate, if true. Men are often taught to be self-reliant and independent and to suppress their own emotional vulnerability not to cry not to complain 
not to be a wuss or a sissy or a girl, oh my God, being a girl, right? So again, not really the worst thing you can do, but in certain strata of, uh, of male society, it's the kind of thing that comes up a lot. Showing emotions is considered bad. And so socialization definitely has something to do with why men are not going to be as in touch with their feelings as perhaps you are and, or as perhaps you would like in a partner. Number two, communication patterns. Men on average tend to be more direct and action-oriented in their communication, while women often place more emphasis on emotional expression and empathy. You've noticed this just in your texts, right? Guys like, hey, what's up? What are you doing Friday? You want to have a connection. You want to have a conversation. You want to be heard. You want this to mean something. You want emotion. You want affection. You're looking for a lot from a text where a guy sees communication as a vehicle to get from point A, B, from point A to point B, right? When am I seeing you again? What are you up to? It's more fact-driven than emotion-driven. And so this is one of the reasons, many reasons that men and women tend to talk past each other is because we were, we're, we're out of alignment. He's wondering why does she want to talk so much and she's wondering why he doesn't want to talk enough. Uh, and this is, again, something we uh, observe out in nature. It's not unusual. It's not that there are no women who are very, very matter-of-fact. I've got a client right now I'm thinking of who like just communicates on a need-to-know basis. Don't bother me. I don't want to hear from you. Uh, but she's in her masculine, right, for lack of a better term. She, she really does not want uh, the gushy, feely type things. So in general... Um, this is another reason that guys are not as uh, emotionally connected or intimate. Next, there's the fear of vulnerability. Opening up emotionally and being vulnerable can be challenging for some men due to fear of judgment and rejection, loss of masculinity, and this fear may cause them to be more guarded. You've met men who are guarded, and the real irony of this is that I am say this in a way that doesn't sound attacking. Uh, women claim to want men who are in touch with their emotions. When men are in touch with their emotions, part of their emotions is sharing their vulnerabilities and weaknesses, right? He's not going to be the stoic Marlboro man. He's going to be more human. He's going to be a little bit more like you, maybe more like your girlfriends. And then you judge him for it and your attraction to him goes down. This is the great great irony is women want men who are stoic Marlboro men who are also in touch with their emotions, but they don't really feel emotions because they have it together and they don't show any weaknesses. But when a guy shows weakness, which I really want from him, well, I don't want him to show weakness, but I want him to show vulnerability. Vulnerability is admitting weakness. So there's a reason societally that men don't always feel open doing this kind of stuff. It's because they know when they let down their guard, you might see them in a different light. You might like them less. Your attraction might go down, whether you want it to or not. Men have been inculcated with this belief as well, that there's a penalty for showing this kind of emotion. So that's kind of how we got here. Now I want to share with you where we might be going right, in a, creating a better society where women and men can have something that's more real, more intimate, more vulnerable. So these are four tips to create intimacy with your man. Uh, number one, open and honest communication. This is strangely, again, it, I know it sounds almost dumb to say open and honest communication. It's like the staple of 
of every couples therapist of all time. I am perpetually surprised at how much my clients feel the need to lie to their partners. I don't have a lying bone in my body. Part of my problem, I tell the truth all the time, gets me in trouble. But you never have to worry about where you stand with me. You're always going to know. Women have largely been socialized to keep their feelings to themselves, to not make waves, to not upset anybody. And so they are pleasers and they bury their feelings and these things pile up. And I've got a client right now who was like, there was a guy, I went out with him. I'm not sure I'm attracted to him. I don't know what to say. Should I go out with him again? And she's trying to do everything other than tell the truth. Right? This is the irony, is that open and honest communication breeds open and honest communication. I get so much more out of my relationships, both my relationships with my wife and my relationship with my clients, because there's never a moment where they doubt whether I'm fully expressing my feelings or observations, right? Not that I'm censoring myself or bending myself over backwards to please. So if you're going to have open and honest communication, you know what you need. You need to assume positive intent because there's another thing that happens, right? We punish people who are honest. Uh, the easy example, the silly example is, do I look fat in this dress, right? If he tells you yes, and he's punished for telling you yes, he has You've just proven he has no incentive to be honest with you. What you really wanted was the lie or the affirmation. And the truth is, that's a perfect example of a trick question. You either want the truth. Should I not wear this? Did this not look good on me? Or just tell me I look great because that feels better. And I think a lot of women don't even know the answer to that question themselves. Do I want the affirmation or do I want the truth? But if you tell a guy, tell me the truth, and he tells you the truth, and he's judged for telling the truth, he now has no incentive to tell you the truth. His incentive is then to lie to you. I guess the flip side of it would be like faking an orgasm or something like that. Right? You can say, oh, I'm doing it to make him feel better. But if he thinks he's giving you an orgasm and he doesn't please you and you feel dissatisfied in your sex life, what have you created? You've created this monster where he thinks he's great in bed. You're pretending he's great in bed, but you're not satisfied in bed. All because you didn't tell him the truth. So... With this, we really want to assume positive intent. We want to assume, hey, if I have a boyfriend, he wants to please me. He assumes if I have a girlfriend, she wants to please me. If I have a boyfriend, he wants to hear the truth because the truth will help him please me. If I have a girlfriend, she wants to hear the truth. The truth will help her please me. Right? What you can't do is flip on this where you tell someone to be open and honest with you and then you slap him on the wrist or you judge him or you back away from him. How dare you? And I've been that, gosh, I've been that guy who felt really safe telling the truth and has been punished by partners for it. Not my wife, of course, that's why we're married. But um, I'm trying to think of a, of, of a real life example. It's something like, you know, it, you know, admit it. You were attracted to that woman at the party. And I'm like, yeah, she's totally my type, smoking hot. And, you know, and you can then see her face fall, like the idea that she goaded me into admitting something and then I admitted it. And then I was the bad guy for admitting it. It's, it's really a slippery slope. So really get clear. Do you want lies or do you want truth? If you want truth, accept his truth. He's here for a reason. He loves you. He cares about you. He doesn't want to hurt you. But relationships are always better when you're fully self-expressed. Next tip, emotional vulnerability. What we mean by emotional vulnerability uh, is creating the conditions to see each other 
at our best. We don't always do this, especially when we have a partner. We tend to see them at their worst. And then on top of that, we don't always create conditions for them to succeed. So in Love You, my signature course, we're talking about, I guess the, the metaphor that I use all the time is you're the CEO and he's the intern. But that doesn't mean you're like a bitch of a CEO and you're docking him, you know, tenths of a point every time he does something wrong. We call it the benevolent CEO. If you're the benevolent CEO, you create an environment where everybody wants to be, right? Hey, we're Google. We're going to send a bus to pick you up. We're going to have people giving you massages in your chairs. We're going to pay you 200 grand a year to start. We're going to give you food. We're going to create the conditions where you can thrive working out our company. I'm not saying Google's the best workplace in the world, but that's an example of a place where we're how do we make you happy? It's like being a concierge at a hotel. What could we do to make you happy? That's the way I try to approach marriage. And I think that's the way most people should attempt to approach marriage. So we create emotional vulnerability when you allow someone the space to let down their guard. Hey, right now we're going on vacation and my wife is packing and she's a little OCD. So when she packs, she takes like four days and pulls all nighters and all, all stuff like that. And my job is just to support her through her OCD-ness, right? I woke up at eight in the morning. I saw her still working because she's pulled an all-nighter. And I know that sounds crazy, but it's true. And all I did was just give her a big hug and say, hey, you're my hero. Thank you for planning such a wonderful family trip and making the res restaurant reservations and reserving the jet skis in advance and making sure that we have options for places to rent bikes or whatever the hell we're doing. Right. Just giving her that level of support and an environment where she can be herself and succeed. This thing works both ways. Right. Your man wants to be your hero. Your man wants you to see him at his best. And if most of your focus is on what he's not doing, how he's failing you, he'd be a great boyfriend if he changed this and this and this and this. Well, how could he be vulnerable with you? I remember being in a relationship with a, with a girlfriend who I was crazy about. I would have done anything for her. And all I felt like I could do was disappoint her. Like anything I did, despite my best efforts, was never good enough. Right? So imagine being, and again, you can imagine, you've been with men who did that to you. Being in a relationship with someone who saw you as the glass half empty version of you instead of the glass half full version of you. The person who focused on the 1% of things you did wrong instead of the 99% of things that you did right. So by setting a tone of positivity and safety for him, the way you want him to do for you, by setting a tone of positivity and safety for him to be himself and to fail and to screw up and to know that you love him unconditionally anyway, you're going to bring out a better side in your man and more likely to get reciprocal behavior when you do that. Next tip on creating intimacy quality time and shared experiences. Intimacy is not just something that's forged in the mind, right? It's not just a state of mind that you could feel deeply close to someone, but you can feel deeply close with someone. But if you don't continue building memories, that intimacy fades. I, I, I'm not thinking my marriage now. I'm thinking of actually my college friends where I have a deep intimacy. These are people who knew my dad when he was alive, knew the dog I had growing up um, seeing me through some crazy stuff. Um, and that was 25, 30 years ago. 
right? We haven't been building memories since then. So I have this intimacy from the past, but it doesn't grow. It doesn't continue. Why? Because we don't have continued shared experiences. And sometimes that happens in marriage where you fall into roles. And the role is, in my marriage anyway, he makes the money, she takes care of the house and the kids, right? They go to bed reading their Kindles and they put on their eye masks and, right? And you become roommates and business partners and you lead separate lives and there's not enough togetherness. So you need to plan it. You need to make sure you're having sex every week. You need to make sure that you're doing date night. You need to make sure you have social plans on the calendar weeks out and time for family vacations where you can reconnect and recharge and remember what brought you together through just the day-to-day doings of the relationship. The beginning of every relationship is fun. It's all the newness and the exploration and getting to know each other and making love and exploring. And then you reach a certain plateau and that's when you really need to create more conscious quality time and shared experiences because it doesn't sustain itself on its own. Next tip, physical affection and intimacy. I, I alluded to that just a second ago and think the key behind that is being non-judgmental. We all have different ways of expressing affection or needing affection. There's this tendency to make other people wrong, right? He likes to show public displays of affection and you don't. You like cuddling in the morning. He doesn't, right? He likes to have uh, more experimental sex and you like to have more traditional sex or vice versa. And so there needs to be just understanding that in any relationship, in the Venn diagram, two people are different, right? And you knew this going in, right? The person that you're with, that, that you've chosen is different. If your differences are so great that you can't handle this for the rest of your life, you shouldn't be, that person shouldn't be your boyfriend. That person shouldn't be your husband. You got to get rid of that person because that difference is going to drive you mad. Many differences can be bridged just with a level of tolerance. Okay, I accept this person on their terms for who they are, for what they can give, their strengths, their weaknesses, the strengths far outs that are far exceed the weaknesses. And this is how happily married couples get along. I'm very conscious of my weaknesses, very conscious of my wife's weaknesses. We don't pretend they don't exist. We work around them. They're 5% of our relationship rather than 95% of our relationship. And so making your partner, if you're going to get the guy to feel closer to you, making him feel good about himself, making him feel good about his confidence, about his sexiness, about his body, right? These are things that a lot of people don't even spend the time thinking about doing because we're so in our head about how we feel embarrassed, inadequate, less than, that it never occurs to us that our partner feels some of those things too. And then indeed men do want to feel sexy and do want to feel attractive and do want to feel desired and don't always want to have to be the only people who are initiating sex or to want it. Right? There's a there's a cost to that that uh, I think a lot of women do cost you're not men. You don't always calculate what it's like to be that guy who is expected to be make the plans, pay for things, initiate sex, to always be in your masculine, to always be doing, to either appreciate him for doing or to meet him halfway where you're taking on some of that burden. Right, including making plans, including initiating sex, right, and giving him what he wants, not just focusing on where he's failing to give you what you want. Because the more we see each other as givers, the more we pla- practice the platinum rule, 
I'm not going to keep score. I'm going to give you more. I'm going to be the best partner. And if I'm the best partner and I'm dissatisfied, I feel like I'm losing this relationship. Maybe we shouldn't be together. But you could really raise, I'm not a vibration person, you can raise the vibration of your relationship by actively, consciously thinking, how can I be a better partner? How could I be a better human being? How could I bring out more in my man? And in so doing, you will discover a better man showing up in your life. Finally, it's not your responsibility to help a guy tear down his emotional walls. Everything I'm saying is based on the, the idea, the premise that this that you're in a happy relationship and the guy's capable of intimacy. But if there's a guy who is avoidant personality type, if there's a guy who's really shut down and isn't in touch with his emotions, who doesn't like to talk, doesn't want to hear your emotions, doesn't want to share his, you could be a relationship genius. You could follow everything I just said. It's not going to work. It's trying to get blood from a stone, right? So your job is not to bang your head against the wall and try to say, I love him, therefore I'm going to turn him into an emotionally available man who gives me intimacy. This is presuming a level of competence and desire on his part. How do we take someone who's already there and ourselves by being better, fuller, kinder, more self-aware people, partners, bring out more in our relationship? But in the same way that you're not going to take some six-year-old kid who's a non-athlete and turn that kid into an athlete or some people are just not scholars you're not going to turn that kid into a rote scholar sometimes you just have to accept this guy that i like that i'm attracted to that i want to be this person isn't going to be this person similarly you can't heal someone else men are not your projects they're not fixer-uppers right? all you can do is make better choices right ideally making better choices early on in the relationship Right. Choosing a guy in the first four to six weeks who's capable of these things instead of doubling down on a guy and discovering two years later, oh, I've been trying to get blood from a stone. I've been trying to turn him in into someone he's not. I've been trying to turn him into emotionally engaged. I've been trying to turn him into generous. I've been trying to turn him into intimate, and it's just not who he is. We could have observed that before he even became your boyfriend if you paid close enough attention. So... If you want to get intimacy and you don't want to have to continue to work so hard to get there, go to www.evanmarkcats.com forward slash apply, fill out an application to join Love You. We'll get on the phone, free half, free one hour breakthrough session to figure out if you're a good fit for coaching. And by the time we're done working together, you're going to be in the kind of relationship that you've always wanted. I've got many success stories this week that we will circle back to momentarily. Now it is time for our Love You Small Wins. Uh, on our Love You uh, Live Tuesday coaching calls, usually 30 women on the top of the Zoom screen. Everybody shares their small wins. We usually get you know, 10 small wins each week uh, from women who are doing step-by-step -step incremental progress towards their ultimate goal. So anything in your love life that's working for you could be a small win. Today, we hear from... I won't say her name. She's in Northern California. It says, last week I did the Hoffman process, uh, self-help type thing, and learned that one of, my, one of my patterns in how I make choices in life is that I don't feel lovable. I feel unlovable and I don't feel good enough and I feel like I made a lot of breakthroughs in that arena. I have a different perspective about myself. It was also nice to witness men do their, their work and I now have a different perspective about men and their feelings, blind spots, and vulnerabilities. So 
yes, that was a plug for the Hoffman process, but that's the same kind of thing that we do in Love You. You have one guy, you have 30 women, and I'm going to share with you what guys really think, what guys really feel. The good ones, the self-aware ones, the, the emotionally available ones. I, I, I'm not, uh, I was not chosen to be the voice of, of this generation, but I do firmly believe that 90% of men are not capable of this. I think 10% of men are. If you choose from that 10%, you're going to have a very happy life. And believe it or not, since most women are choosing from the 90%, there's plenty of the 10% to go around, whether you feel that way or not. So now my recommended read for the week, it's called The Good Man is Hard to Find. Uh, this is on my blog. I've written about this before, and it's referencing John Gottman. John Gottman, the Gottmans are the sort of uh, grandfather Grand, you know, grandparents of couples counseling, relationship counseling. Uh, they do great clinical research on what works in relationships. Uh, a lot of it's common sense, and yet uh, it's not always so common when you're struggling with relationships. Uh, so I quote them very liberally here. So John Gottman talks about how insensitive men trigger their wives by increasing the negativity of conflict instead of attempting to listen, validate, and calm things down. Now, that is probably not terribly surprising. Wait, you're saying that men, masculine men who don't like to be directed or corrected, escalate conflict when you tell them that if they're doing something wrong? But that is the case for most couples. Failure to de-escalate, either on the part of the man or the woman, but in this case, I'm blaming men, it's like throwing match onto a pile of leaves, right? Conversations just go... And the next thing you know, you're in a screaming match that has nothing to do with anything that you're even talking about in this moment. It's all the stuff that's piled up for a really long period of time. Things just kind of get out of control. And that's a human weakness. It's a human frailty, but I think men are even more prone to it. So the typical male response to female criticism is some version of it. You're not the boss of me. You don't get to tell me what to do, right? But strangely, that's not how women operate. Women are more likely to wonder what they did wrong. I mean, that's honestly, that's how I have a job. Right? Men are like, she's some sort of crazy bitch. That's, I mean, that's why we broke up. And she's thinking, what did I do wrong? How could I have been a better partner? And that's why dating advice for women sometimes gets a negative reaction. I'm sitting here telling you, here's things you can do better. And the obvious response is, what about men? What about men? You're right. What about men? They're not hiring me. Men don't seek self-help. Men don't think they're doing anything wrong. They're, they'll, they'll do the wrong thing over and over and over, and they're never going to make anybody happy. So the answer is not, Evan, can you provide coaching for men? The answer is, why do I keep choosing men who don't have the capacity to make me happy? That's it. It's not, can I change men? Could Evan change men? Can society change men? Let's assume nothing changes. The only thing you can change is your choice, men. That's what we're focused on here. And that's why I focus on what you can do rather than what you can't do. But I'm validating men are definitely a problem when it comes to arguments and conflict. Women take others' opinions into account. Right? The irony, of course, is that couples would be happier if men allowed their wives' opinions to matter more. And now I'm going to directly quote the article. The problem is that only 35% of men are emotionally intelligent according to John Gottman's studies. 35% are emotionally intelligent. Quote, 
The husband who lacks emotional intelligence rejects his wife's influence because he fears a loss of power. And because he's unwilling to accept influence, he will not be influential. The emotionally intelligent husband is interested in his wife's emotions because he honors and respects her. While this may not express his emotions in the same way his wife does, he will learn how to better connect with her. When she needs to talk, he'll turn off the football game and listen. He will pick we over me. He will understand his wife's inner world, continue to admire her and communicate this respect by turning towards her. His relationship, his sex life, his overall joy will be far greater than the man who lacks emotional intelligence. That's the virtues of a man who really listens to his wife. Right? It's a minority of men from the start. And that has nothing to do with height and weight, age, education, income, sense of humor, hobbies, interests, how he votes, religion he practices. We're starting with a baseline of 35% of men are emotionally intelligent. So you could read that and say, oh my God, I'm doomed. No, it just means we have to place emotional intelligence higher in terms of the, the things that we look for in men first, and the other things come second. You wouldn't worry, oh my God, only 35% of men are, are, are Presbyterian or something like that. You'd be like, oh, fine, there's plenty of them around if you need to date another Presbyterian, Catholic, or whatever, right? 35% of men are emotionally you know, unintelligent or are mostly intelligent. That seems like a, a call to action to really focus on emotional intelligence. How do you know if a man's emotionally intelligent? Listen to your feelings, see how you resolve conflict. So we can go on and on, and I do, right? First half of this podcast about how women can be more patient with men, more understanding and sensitive, easygoing, supportive of their partners. And it's true. Those are great traits. If I had more women do that, I'd have been married before my wife. I couldn't find too many people who acted that way. Right? That's what you can control. But the real thing is, if anybody needs to take this to heart, the same thing I said to you at the beginning, it's men. They need to take it to heart twice as much about being more sensitive, understanding, open, less judgmental about their wife's emotions, etc. So I'm with you. Whether you know it or not, whether I push your buttons or not, I'm completely with you. Problem is there aren't many men listening to me. There aren't many men who are open to this. You don't need a guy who's done the work no more than my wife has done the work. You need a guy who just naturally is a good guy. With a good guy, you can be yourself. All these problems go away. So I hope that feels good, that validation. Um, I want to complete on today's Love You Love story. Uh, I think it's important. Uh, I think you'll get a kick out of it as well. I was drawn to Evan's coaching because I really wanted to find the right guy and build a meaningful relationship. As a starting point, I just wanted to enjoy the dating process. I didn't know what I needed to understand. I just knew what I was doing for most of my dating life wasn't yielding what I was looking for. I learned so much from Love You, how to date without stress, how to communicate effectively, how to disagree dispassionately and compassionately, which traits matter in long-term relationships, success, etc. I am now engaged. I am looking forward to building a life together with my fiance. Evan's coaching was the best use of my time and money ever, signed Aruna. That was the one I'm sharing with you this week, but I also got another engagement this week. We got another woman, a boyfriend this week, um, uh, and my assistant's going to be adding new uh, 
love stories to my website. So I'm really, really excited to share new faces and new wedding photos with you guys. If you uh, ever go to evanmarkatz.com, love stories, uh, love you, love stories at the top of the page. There's some stuff that will really like blow your mind. Um, my name is Evan Mark Katz. Uh, this has been the Love You Podcast for more episodes like this. Please, uh, you know what? I'm going to stop the outro for a second. I want to remind you of the one thing that's really important. It's the thing I said to you at the beginning. We'll do the outro later. If you're tired of dating, if you're afraid of being vulnerable, if you're on the verge of giving up on men entirely, join me in a couple weeks. Now, it's not a couple weeks. It's less than a week from now. July 13th, 5 p.m. Pacific, free live stream, three reasons you're guaranteed to fall in love and live happily ever after. We will break through your fear. We will break through your anxiety. We will give you tangible, practical tips to start believing in love once again and get on the right track and flip your negative to a positive. All you have to do is attend a one-hour free live stream with me. Go to evanmarkatz.com forward slash live stream. Give me your name, email address, and phone number. I'll send you some reminders. I'll see you live next Thursday night. Um, now, the outro. My name is Evan Marquez. This is the Love You Podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, please give me a positive review on Apple. Um, I saw another one uh, the other day that made me smile. Uh, maybe I'll start reading them out loud to incentivize you to uh, to do it because it really does mean a lot when when you come and comment that I've touched you by giving you some free information online. Um, and if you listen to this and it sounds really, really groovy, I don't know why I said groovy. I've never said that word before. But if you listen to this and you're like, I feel like I trust this guy. I feel like he knows what he's talking about. I feel like he understands women and he's compassionate. I feel like he knows something about guys. You're right. So don't just sit here and listen to the podcast. Do something. Go to evanmarkcatch.com forward slash apply. Watch a 22-minute video teaching you how to fix your broken man picker. And if that video touches you, fill out an application. We'll talk on the phone. We'll see if you're a good fit for Love You. And I will take care of you and I'll hold your hand through this process until you get the confidence to choose a higher caliber man so you never again have to settle. Sound like a plan? Good. See you next week. Are you the woman who has everything except a man? You can have the relationship of your dreams and you don't have to change to get it. In Love You, you will gain confidence, let go of unhealthy relationship patterns, learn to trust your judgment, understand and attract quality men, assess long-term compatibility, and create a passionate, unconditionally loving relationship with a partner who puts you first, never lets you down, and always makes you feel safe, heard, and understood. Go to www.evanmarkcats.com and click on the Apply for Coaching button to get started.